0: Welcome to the Lessons We Can Take From Today podcast, where we sit down with people from all different walks of life, and they give us a glimpse into their lives, their failures, their successes, and we get to take away lessons from their journeys. So if you're looking for a podcast that will inspire you, teach you, and maybe even heal you, stay tuned and make sure to follow us. All right. Hello, everyone welcome to the lessons we can take from today podcast today i have a special guest simon and simon is someone who is a jack of all trades so he's been a producer cinematographer (laughs) and director um he's worked for netflix cbs and apple and um his talents don't stop there he's also a charitable individual who's part of lp how do you pronounce that of the, <laughs> the National
1: Alopecia Alopea Areata Foundation.: Foundation.
0: So he has a great empathy and compassion for helping others, and it's evident in his work and his dedication of giving back to the community. And today we are going to be discussing the lessons we can take away from Simon, so from you know his inspiring rise as a producer at the age of 27. So this, this is going to be a great story. So how are you, Simon?
1: I feel great, Fahad. Thank you so much for having me here on the podcast. You know, we're teaching lessons, I guess, we're giving back. Yeah. I, I'm I'm an open book, you know. We've had a couple of conversations
0: now. I'm so super happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you for being here. So before we, you know, dive really deep, we're gonna start off at your origin story when you went to NYU. So what was that experience of kind of leaving Massachusetts and going to a whole different state and kind of like starting over somewhere different? Yeah.
1: Yeah, starting over is, you know, it's never easy. It always can be fun if you make it. I really think that, you know, life is as you make it. I learned a lot at NYU that it's mostly about what you can put into the program you'll get out tenfold. So being in a new place, I think I had been to New York City maybe once or twice as a child growing up, but I didn't realize, like, what I was getting into, sort of. So luckily for me, NYU, the campus is downtown. It's in what's called the Village um, specifically Greenwich Village. So it's very convenient um, to stay in one environment in the city because every neighborhood had... Uh, they have so many characteristics and so much architecture that's the same. Yeah. So, um, you know, I felt that I could uh, really flourish without even leaving my neighborhood, which was interesting. Um, you know, and I began taking on other jobs. I would work freelance, so I got to explore the other neighborhoods as well. I was an after-school tutor on the Upper East Side, so... I'd get out of class around 5 p.m. every day uh, in my sophomore year, and then I would jump on the train a couple stops, and then I would tutor for four hours. So
0: so even then, you were always on the run. <laughs> always, yeah. yeah.
1: Working in the motion picture industry, it's the best for me because I'm not going to be in the same place every day. I constantly am exploring new parts of the city. Right now, I'm working in New Jersey. Um, so even though I, I've been there, my parents grew up there, It's uh, something where now I can explore these new places, Newark, Jersey City, Harrison. Uh, I've always seen them, but I haven't always um, had the opportunity to explore.
0: What would you say is kind of like the biggest difference you notice from New York, from Massachusetts?
1: Um, Definitely the people. I feel like in New York, the people are very friendly, but you have to talk to them. And in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. everyone's, you know, the quick wave, you know, it's really a welcoming environment in both places.
0: I think someone told me, it's like, we New Yorkers aren't rude. We're just in a rush. <laughs> We're just busy. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But every once in a while, you just see one looking around up at the sky, just <laughs> like what you're doing. You know, people always like looking at the buildings. And whenever I see that, I always say, hey, you know, are you lost? Like, can I help yeah. you get somewhere? Because it, it is not easy to navigate. Uh, you know, when you're there for the first time, you know, you'll probably get on the downtown subway instead of the yeah. uptown. But um, there, it is a quick learning curve.
0: What would you say were some of your like favorite classes that you took and helped you kind of prepare you the most for, this, for the field you're in right now?
1: Right. Definitely, yeah. I took a lot of advanced training in cinematography, working with the camper, uh, camera, the sensor. You know, it's what you learn in the first class, and it's like an advanced physics course. It's the only course at NYU Film School that counts for general education credit. Basically, there's a the pro the question is what goes into taking a good picture and if you really break it down there's a lot you know the lighting has to be good you know where's that lighting coming from if it's from the sun the sun ha- the light has to go from the sun to the earth strike something and then that has to pique my interest so there it's a and then from there you know my hands have to work you know i have to line the shot up i have to re- be able to capture it. i have to have the right lens on to see my vision
0: it's a lot more work than people think it is yeah well,
1: it is, and then sometimes it's not. You know, if you're just clicking that button, as long as you have, you know, Picasso said, yeah. you know, he would draw, I think, on a napkin or something, and someone said, please, please draw on the napkin, draw something for me, <laughs> Picasso, and he said, okay, did two seconds, he said, all right, that'll be four million dollars. <laughs> the person said, what? But, but you just did that for two seconds, and he said, well, it took me forty years to learn to do that.
0: Oh wow, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And you also told me you were an Irish Studies minor. What was that kind of experience of kind of taking a minor that's very different than what you're studying? Right. And would you recommend for people to kind of take minors outside their major?
1: Of course, yeah. So I concentrated in the early modern period of Irish history, which is 1534 to 1799. Um, so I took two courses there, just to answer your question about what yeah. courses. So I took those two courses, I'll talk about them, and I also took a course um, which was um, performance art and gender uh, politics um which was very interesting. It was in the School of Arts and Public Policy. So I would say that that course on um, on um, performance art, as well as my courses on Irish history, really gave me a firm base for my education. Uh, I took courses with a professor named Dr. Thomas Trucks. He would come down, I think, two or three days a week from Connecticut to teach. and. It was just incredible. I took two courses. The first was an introduction course on Irish history, and the second one was um, the Atlantic World through an Irish uh, lens. So you really learned it all. The Irish were very interesting. That they weren't. um, They never had, you know, much power and autonomy. There was always that struggle. But what they were able to do was they were able to trade with pretty much everyone because they didn't have alliances. You know, one day they were allied with the British, the next day they were allied with the French. So they were able, as merchants, to trade with everyone. So Dr. Trucks did this really interesting thing where he would orate, he would give the lesson, he would have his notes, and I swear, not once did he ever look down at any of his notes. And he taught me that, you know, one of the hardest things to do is to tell a good story. And uh, he really instilled in me You know what it takes to be a storyteller you know he taught his whole life on this subject and these people and their struggles and there's just so much drama that unfolds I learned so much about being a good storyteller from him
0: yeah and that that kind of goes with your job where you know you've worked on films like Hostel you know Takeover and other things um how is kind of like the creative process of like writing those films or like anything you work on yeah
1: for writing yeah like, nothing nothing is more fun than writing a good story because the more you go over it the more you realize like just how much fun you're having the process for writing is very interesting where um, you know you you just want to get all your ideas down on yeah. the page so you, you can finish that. Sort of phase of the game, and then all you do is just keep doing passes over and over and over. So I might put something down on the page that I know is sort of a placeholder, but then you know they say drawing is all about and painting all about making a mark and responding to that mark with the next mark. And it's the same with writing, you know, if you have a script in front of you, you really can it's like the Indianapolis 500, every single part of the story flows, and then while you're writing, you see this part doesn't work, but now. That I know the path ahead of me, I know how I can enhance this scene or this
0: dialogue. Where do you kind of like find inspiration when you are wanting to write? Is it from books, other movies, or does it come from your dreams? Like, what would you say is your biggest kind of uh, create, creative inspiration?
1: Well, a lot of times, you know, I'll just wait around until an idea will come, and sometimes mm-hmm. they do fully formed. Obviously, that's the most, <laughs> that's the best. But yeah. for me, it's really like, what am I trying to tell or what am I trying to bring to the story? You know, with Hostile Takeover, there was a very interesting story. We've all had a job. Yeah. So I created a story about a woman serial killer who infiltrates places where corporate crime is already happening. So, you know, she does the legwork. She has all the infiltration. You know, she has all She's the surveillance. The mastermind. She's the mastermind. But what she does is she co-ops and ruins other people's plans. So every week, you know, this is a TV pilot that we made, mm-hmm. every week she has a new occupation. She's at a hospital, she's a doctor. She's a school teacher, she's a police officer, she works for NASA. Mm-hmm. You know, at every one of these at every one of these opportunities, you know, there is corporate crime going on. You know, we're stealing money from the boss, you know. We want to get over on the company. Uh, you know, no one's watching us, so we can steal. Yeah. You know, and everyone has that escapism where uh, they want to be those people doing the crimes, or they want to be the people who are stopping the crimes. People and in, kind of
0: like, I think a lot of times people are attracted kind of to the darkness, like of like oh, villains totally. and right. stuff like that. Life yeah. is very
1: hard. You know, yeah. nothing I want to do more when I get home is kick back, kick, put the feet up, and watch some television. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. And like, how was it? Kind of like when you work on it, and then you kind of finally see it in action, it probably is very rewarding, right? Definitely. Like when yeah. you see ju- the actors and everyone coming through with it
1: you mean while we're filming or when it's like when you
0: when you when you've written it and then you're finally casting people and it's almost done and you're seeing it kind of in action like that i think that's the most rewarding part right
1: i love it all i love working with actors because it's just so fun for me because when you get a good actor in and you're in you know auditions or rehearsals uh you really get to let them be free you know a good director doesn't have to do much because they're working with good talent So, um, you know, if me as the director, I want to create a strong foundation for their performance so they know that they can take it wherever direction they want. And I'm always here in case they need something.
0: Yeah. Well, because there's so many different movie adaptations and it can mostly have a very similar script, but the actor can really change it all course yeah, yeah it's yeah. a
1: lot of fun working uh, on independent films because we are able to change you know we're not working under deadlines you know we're yeah. the ones who are putting up the money so it's very freeing in a way to be able to point a camera you know i have so many now that you know you point it here you point it there you get all the angles you can you know you use as many cameras as you can so that you know stanley kubrick said this thing you know he was famous for doing a lot of filming in his locations and he said in an interview that you know, we're paying all this money for this location to augment this location, to purchase things. You know, we may as well get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, well, something that like, I know when I first do started doing media stuff in college is oftentimes like when we get our ideas or like work on something, it comes from personal experiences Mm -hmm. And I remember, like when I would work on a script or work on a video, it was very hard in the beginning getting constructive criticism because it's like it's kind of like your baby. It's compared different than like someone like saying, "Oh, you did a math problem wrong," because it's less personal. Um, how was it first when you were first were working on things and getting constructive criticism? Do you feel like you've developed to kind of get a, th- a thick skin? While working in this industry,
1: you, you have to. I mean, yeah. right now, I tell everyone you, you can't play, take anything personally. There is no ego in this process because it is so collaborative. You know, just because I've worked my whole life to do one project or one yeah. idea doesn't mean someone who's on the outside is going to, ha- you know, come in and have a great idea. So that's the whole thing. You know, you, you need to know, this is on more of the professional level, you need to know when. Um, you know, you can give that suggestion you should, you should definitely know how to give that suggestion <laughs> yeah. and where to give that suggestion you know in front of everyone uh, in a professional environment, you know maybe that's not the best, but if you're in uh, the classroom that's what you're expected to do so I think yeah. you know it's very hard obviously when you have um, put so much time into an idea and you know, everyone's only commenting on, oh, this line of action was pretty lame or what, is, you know, what does this yeah. even mean? And you're there to focus on the story. And it is tough because everyone's there to learn and yet you know, they're not the ones who maybe have that film language developed. They're also yeah. learning. So the most important thing is that you need to take all the feedback in because I learned this in my performance art class. There is no way... Uh, at all that you can control or enhance or know how someone's going to react to something. Yeah. So, you know, in developing story, it's very intense because you have to create something that's marketable. You have to create something that reflects your artistic style. But when you're learning, you know, it's really just about um, getting your ideas on the page and honing them. You know, if you don't want them to talk about, oh, that edit was pretty poor, you know, you just work really hard on that
0: edit. yeah. Or there's a saying, like, kill your darlings. Like, sometimes you get so fixated on, like, one idea, you forget the small details. Because I remember when I have worked on films, we, we had a really good video once, but the lighting was off. Or the audio, like, bad audio. Have you heard the phrase, if it's like bad audio in a video, it can't be saved? <laughs> Anything can be saved. Yeah.
1: In the, That's what's so great about the industry. In terms yeah. of that line, that colloquial yeah. saying, like, I don't think it applies necessarily. Yeah. I've heard it. I've yeah. heard it in feedback. Yeah. To you know, um, you know, discourage your darlings. But you know, yeah. you, like you and I met, we discussed the script you were writing, and mm-hmm. it's not uh, that sort of indicates someone who is not necessarily providing answers. They're only stating questions, you know. But um, if someone says that to you, you know, disrupt your darlings, you know, you, you take that and you say, well, w- w- how do we enhance them? You yeah. never want to if it's something you're passionate about. I always ask what's the source? Where is this idea coming yeah. from? And then from there you can flush it out. In terms of getting rid of an idea like that, ideas are so valuable and they're so hard to craft that if someone tells you, you know, that your idea needs to be, you know, cast aside for something else, you need to really think about, you know, who is this person to me? Are they my mentor? Are they giving yeah. me good advice? What does this mean for my story if it's going to change and I'm not willing to compromise? That's one thing. If I need this person's advice to get ahead, like they're my professor, you write that right out if you need the grade, or yeah. if you don't care about what anyone else thinks, you know you put it on the on the screen, and then you let the public decide. but uh in terms of you know you have to know where you're at because just because someone doesn't like your idea, it doesn't mean that idea is bad, maybe you're just communicating it in a way that's not as powerful as someone else wants you to,
0: yeah or if there's like a limited amount of time or people like if you're trying to shoot a musical and you can't get any enough people like but then i always believe like kind of like shooting for the shooting for the moon and if you land among the stars
1: i love that line yeah. it's so true because you can't let anything stop you
0: yeah well cuz if i'm like in a class or working on a project i'd rather it be we aim higher than keep it like mediocre or similar like um, uh, like there's a lot of people who really love silent films and just l- love those. For me, like, I, even if it takes more work, I'd rather write the dialogue and have that than just, like, do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah, yeah
1: the thing about the creative process is, you know, you can't let anyone stop you. A really easy way to make your life easier or let's say that again, a really strong and successful way to make your life easier is to limit your variables. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned in filmmaking. It's all about how can I limit my variables? So sound huge variable, but it's also if I take the time to craft something I really like, you know, sound may not be a huge variable. I can record that dialogue, even if I'm using my iPhone and, you know, we get a professional, you know, in the computer room to make that, you know, iPhone dialogue recording into something where it sounds like we're using a Sennheiser.
0: Yeah. Um, But like when you're working kind of on projects with different like writers and producers and directors, um, how do you kind of navigate if you're working with someone who's a little bit difficult to work with? Because like no matter what field someone is, whether they're in media or they're a pastry chef, they're going to encounter that. How do you kind of take on that challenge? Right. Well,
1: you know, you have to know where you're at. You know, if I was... Uh, in an earlier part of my career and i saw the advantage of working with someone who you know it made me hard to get out of bed i didn't like working with them you know Mm -hmm. i learned later on that that does and it can impact your health you know you can't do things that aren't going to be beneficial to you in your career if there's someone who you find that's hard to work with you have to identify what they're doing that makes them hard to work with for yourself Because someone is going to give them funding or someone is going to like their idea. So if you um, can learn a lot from them and they're hard to work with, you know, there's also varying degrees of that. You know, I think that someone is hard to work with. Maybe they've had so many hardships that they're trying to protect you from some of those hardships. And I think that it's really important to... um, I don't, like a tough
0: love approach is what you're saying?
1: No, I, I think if someone's giving you tough love, you have to say, hey, I don't appreciate that. Yeah. You know, that's not yeah. how I work. But I think that with someone who is hard to work with, your whole life is going to be full of that until you're at the point where you can only work with people who you like. It takes a long time to find those people. Maybe those people aren't going to be able to meet your artistic vision or they're not going to have the time to give to you. So if you find someone you like working with, I would say to stop at nothing to pursue your work with them. Mm -hmm. And I think if someone's really hard to work with, you should learn as much as you can from them and learn in yourself about dealing with someone who's hard to work with because you will encounter many people in all industries that are extraordinarily hard to work with. Descartes said that someone who lacks common sense, I mean, uh, someone who is very hard to please will never claim that they lack common sense. You know, but we all know if someone's hard to deal with, maybe they do lack common sense, but they won't know it. And they're not alone. A lot of people are hard to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's ego involved. I always say to everyone when I'm working, I said, I have no ego in this. I just want to make a good product. You have to really serve yourself to the story. So in terms of working with people who are difficult, you know, luckily in my life, I haven't experienced that in a long time, but I know that I can learn something from them, even if it's just how to work with them. And I can take that onto my next endeavor to make it a success and to make it meaningful that I spent the time.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Like, even in the worst situations, you can get something positive out of it. Definitely. Well, you know, you've kind of done a lot of, you know, you've different roles in media. Do you kind of like how you've kind of tried every, almost every single position? Or do you wish it was more like one? Because there's some people who have a hard time dealing with change or adjusting. Or how how is it for you?
1: Well, I love working in the motion picture industry. Yes. I don't... I do enjoy working in broadcast, which is more a live environment. But it is there is it's a whole different industry, really. There's different protocols. The setup is different. You know, I did the Fourth of July Hat shell, um in operations and logistics for many years, and uh, and tons of other live events, the VMAs, uh, the Hip Hop Honors for VH1 different events, corporate events. So the, the most fun I have is on the prep day because that's when everything happens. The day of the recording on a large scale, when you're, um, when you have that time, you know, every, you've done everything in the prep day. So you sort of just like spin the top and now it's going on its own. So it can be a lot of fun. Um, but it's also that day, you know, there isn't a much fun, it's just business. But with yeah. filmmaking, between every shot, you know, there's that fun, there's that downtime, there's that setup, there's that what's next. Yes. So in terms of working in all the positions, um, you know, when you're on the professional level, you have to know what you want. If you're the director, you have to know what you want. You have to be able to answer questions. So if I'm working with a director that does not know what they want, it, obviously it slows everything down. But when I'm the director, you know, I gosh darn sure make sure that anytime anyone asks me a question, I answer it immediately. And I have to live with that answer. Maybe it's not the right one, but it has to be something I can live with on screen for the rest of my life watching that moment.
0: Yeah. And I think also a good part of trying every single different types of roles is you know what you like and don't like. Right. Because before you could be like, oh, I really enjoy being a writer, but then maybe producing is more of your thing so it's kind of like I think it's always good to try them all out to right. know what you like and don't like, you have to have a feel yeah. for it
1: too. Because if you don't try them out, you'll never be able to respect that person. Yeah. Like assistant director, I did a lot at NYU, um, which uh, for those who don't know, you do scheduling. You're basically in charge of managing the director's time. So maybe they are, you know, they have a specific vision, you know, and it's going to be we're not going to shoot any of this. We're just going to shoot this one scene all day, and that's really yeah. hard for an assistant director. That's why they have one of the shortest lifespans of any other department in the industry. I did it. I had fun. I learned a lot. I didn't get a lot out of it, like, you know, those ego boosts, like, there was no, like, director thanking me at the end of the day, but sometimes there was, Uh, but on a larger scale... It
0: takes a village, yeah.
1: It takes a village, and, you know, on larger movies, the assistant directors have to manage so much, and I have so much deep respect for them, because I was in that position trying to get everyone on board for a certain thing, and it is really difficult.
0: Yeah, and you just kind of learn... Like great time management when you're in those things of like how to get things done. Cause I, I remember when I would work on films, I was like, Oh, why I would sometimes underestimate how much time it takes, but now I always add more because something could always go wrong. Right. And that's no, what makes you yeah. a good producer. I mean, yeah. you have
1: to know, like, you know, you have to set realistic goals. You know, we're not going to shoot six pages today cause we don't have any crew and we don't have any budget, yeah. you know, but if we need to shoot six pages in three days, uh, or even 18 pages in three days. It's let's limit all our variables. Yeah. Do we need a camera over there? Uh, can we get all the coverage from this way? And then when you limit variables and you really try to promote the uh, logistical planning as first and foremost, you can get, instead of 18 pages in three days, you can get you know 40 pages in three days, depending yeah. on the script. If it's a lot of dialogue, the actor um, needs... To feel comfortable. So making uh, something like, hey, we're going to shoot 40 pages. It's like, well, I need three weeks to shoot that, the actor says. So it's all about making sure everyone's comfortable because you want to do things that promote everyone's best performance, especially the camera people and the sound people. You never want them to be like tired,
0: like doing it because they feel like they have to instead of because they want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The passion goes, you know, when people see that the people on top don't know where they want the people above yeah. the line need to you know to be that strong force of action
0: yeah because sometimes i've like worked with different people and they'll be they'll be like do this do that to other people I'm like you gotta like even though you're stressed out and you're a director you gotta like make sure everyone feels comfortable because i remember one group they were doing that and then people stopped showing up and i'm like yeah, especially if you're not paying the actors, if you're yelling at Is anyone surprised? Right? Yeah, yeah you that's fun. Like, that's why it's good you brought that up. You got to make sure everyone feels comfortable, right? It's,
1: I tell everyone yeah. at work, I said this is a team sport, you know. Yeah, yeah. Even if I'm on the bottom or the top, you know, it is a team sport, and everyone needs to feel like they're they're being valued, even if they're just there to get a paycheck, which is the opposite of not getting paid. You know, if they're just there to get paid and then go home, you know, that can be tough as well. But when there is the passion. People come out of the woodwork because for all sorts of reasons, actors love having juicy dramatic roles that will be good for a portfolio so they can get work, you know, um, when i work independently you know sometimes there isn't a budget to pay actors but the actors get a lot out of the process you know they get to work with a director who might hire them on the next one you know they get to meet everyone on set you know they get to have a professional headshot that's being taken by a set photographer they get footage of them you know i think the hardest thing for an actor is having like a very small role and having to stay there all day Yeah. yeah but you know if as long as you know, like, listen, we're not going to pay actors for this, but it's going to be really, we're going to be able to give you a really good performance and we're going to edit together really, really sharp. And we're going to, you know, give you the footage, you know, that for some actors, especially people who are starting out in um, this area of Bedford, I don't know what the acting pool is like, but in yeah. New York, you know, there's, everyone wants to be an actor. So they're willing to um, create that footage to market themselves, you know, backstage casting shout out is a, is a great company. Um, and you know, I really think that they do a lot for writers as well. You know, they just bought this company called final draft shout out. And, um, <laughs> You know they are doing a lot for independent filmmakers as well as professional filmmakers you know i meet people all the time i tell them oh I, you know i was just working on sex in the city for hbo we did season two. Oh, you know i worked on that too i managed or i got background or i see all these casting notices it's a really small industry even in places like new york
0: yeah when you tell people what you do what do you think is often like the questions you usually get like oh i do stuff in media like
1: Right. So if I say, all right, yes, I work in the motion picture industry, you know, nobody likes to hear that answer because it's so general. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I can tell them that I own all these different companies that I run a a rental house where it works mostly with students and uh, up and coming filmmakers and disabled people, you know, so it's hard to describe because if you want like an elevator pitch, like 10 seconds, what I do, what my job is, I'm not going to say, you know, I work to promote disabled filmmakers uh, because I might be telling them, you know, a recent project that I worked on. You know, yeah. if they only want the 10 second clip of what you're up to, it's hard to get to know someone in like a bar situation or something or out on the street. But uh, I always like to tell them that, you know, I'm a creative, I'm a cameraman, I'm a director, I'm a producer, yeah. I'm a writer. You know, I own a content development company. Um, and it it is really interesting to learn about what other people do because, you know, more often than not, I'll find an actor who you know they're really talented and all they need is someone to help them with the camera so that they can showcase their talents in a way where a lot of people aren't giving them that opportunity because a lot of student directors a lot of independent directors they want the shot they want the action they want the moment but they're not always thinking okay is this role going to enhance my volunteer actor's career yeah. And if they want... A yeah, level of
0: empathy and understanding for them, yeah.
1: Definitely. You know, and sometimes you can't teach that, too. You know, I yeah. don't, don't want to um, say that no one is capable, but filmmaking is extraordinarily difficult, especially when you're in it alone. So it can be... There can be ego in play because no one's helping you or no yeah. one's giving you advice or no one wants you to succeed, and yet you still try. So it can um, take this innocence that i have for the process this funness because at the end of the day every single person on set should be having fun we're not doing you know we're not curing cancer we're not doing brain surgery we're making entertainment it should be fun it shouldn't be stressful broadcast is is it's not stressful but there's so many moving parts and there's so much money on the line because it's a broadcast in filmmaking it's like we blew that shot you know let's let's roll it back everyone back to one and it is a Environment that promotes um, perfection. And television, I do a lot of television. You know, a lot of television is way too fast to focus on the artistry. You know, in a movie, maybe you're doing one shot today or two shots today, and that shot costs, you know, a couple hundred thousand because, you know, it's a big shot, it's a big moment in the film. Whereas TV, it's like, you know, okay, can we shoot four pages today? Yeah. That could be like a hundred shots.
0: Well, also like, you know, At 27, you're doing all these things. Are you glad that you worked so hard when you were younger? Or, like, how... Yeah, that's, like, a question I have. (laughs) I like that. I would
1: say when I was younger, I worked almost nonstop. Uh, and in school I worked a nonstop. There was a month uh, not a month. There was a period of time in my sophomore year of college where I took I think three production classes and for 90 to 120 days straight I was on a set every single day whether it was my own whether it was a class project yeah. we were we were recording data for 120 days and I was the cameraman, I was the editor, I was the sound designer, I was The mixer. I was the cameraman. I was the assistant. I was the focus puller. Yeah. Well, I I exposed myself. I wasn't juggling like I didn't do this like all of them every day. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm trying to say. That would be a lot, but I did expose myself to all of the roles and all of the positions.
0: Yeah. Are you glad you worked so hard, or do you ever wish you had slowed down?
1: I would say that if I could tell my, you know, 10 year old self, I would say to work even harder to focus even more. You know, I think I am, it's remarkable to get where I am, but I'm always thinking about what's next. And, you know, if I started like a YouTube channel, you know, as a middle schooler, you know, would I still be working on these big shows with these big players or would I be focusing on that and monetizing that and making a living off of that? But now I'm in the indie world. I'm not where I wanna be. I'm not directing Jaws you 10, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shut up.
0: <laughs> well, I think there's like the the saying and it's so cliche, but it's like lazy people work a little bit and think they should be getting more working less and then hard working people work so much and think they should be working more. Would you say that applies to yourself like you're always you set yourself to high standards?
1: Yeah, I always say, you know, if I had 20 extra hours in every single day, I would be able to achieve some of my (laughs) goals. But um, it is important to aim high. And you don't want, um, you know, nobody I know is lazy, even if they're in like a position where they're not going to. Um, exceed that position for a long time in the industry. It gets like that because there are so many people yeah. involved. You know, you might be running the show, but you know your boss is making like a ton of money, and yeah. you'll never be that boss. But you're on his team, which is important. So I would say to everyone who's working, doing anything, to really try to strive for your dreams because yeah. there's nothing that's going to stop you except for yourself
0: you probably just see it modeled through your parents, right? Cause I know when I met them, they seem very involved and do a lot of things.
1: Yeah. I would say that my parents are very supportive of me and hardworking amongst themselves. Both my parents do a lot. They're constantly on the move. They're constantly working hard. Um, and that's a huge goal for me because I want to be as connected as them within my community at all times.
0: Yeah. Well, moving on to being connected with community and giving back, um, do you want to share a little bit more of the charity work you've done with the, L- I always mispronounce it. Oh, L- P- you can say it
1: AA. L- it's no problem. AA
0: foundation. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yes, yeah, So the national alopecia areata foundation, I was diagnosed when I was eight years old. I'm 27. So it's just about two decades I've had, uh, I've been a patient and I think that, you know, it's a hair loss condition. They say, um, you know, the, the your body's way to fight off disease, you know, the white blood cells, they'll attack the hair follicles. So really it happens at this skin level. You know, they say hair is only skin deep. You know, it's it's a really interesting situation because there are people who have no hair at all in their entire bodies. There are people who have no hair at all in their heads at all. And there are people who have patchy hair loss like I have. And it is a big journey of empowerment because nobody is going to make you feel comfortable in your own skin, except for you. So for years I struggled with identity and, um, elegance and beauty and luxury and all these things that I had, but I was not, I didn't have the confidence. So I, um, in 2015, I began volunteering for the LP the national LP Sherry auto foundation. I spoke at their conference, um, as a young adult. So we had a young adult panel, uh, and we spoke to parents of children who had alopecia areata. And, you know, a lot of their questions to me were very straightforward. But for them, you know, these were things they were struggling on a day-to-day basis. You know, how can I support my child when I, can, I can't even make my child smile? Yeah. Uh, so then uh, in, I think it was just before COVID, 2019... This is my fourth year as a board member of the Alpeciary of Auto Foundation. I spent two years as the secretary on the board. So I really got a feel for all the admin and all the background stuff. And as a board member, I'm so proud to be a, a pillar of my community and to give back in new and interesting ways. We're having a big patient conference in Denver at the end of June. And we're having a huge walk event. I believe it's the third weekend of September in San Francisco, California. And we're raising awareness. We have amazing, amazing staff. They do so much incredible work. And the most important thing and the most important takeaway is that living a healthy lifestyle and living life through empowerment and empowering yourself are universal goals. They're not just uh, the goals of people who have LP shariata, but re- I think it's really something we all can learn from, you know, we want positivity, to positivity, self empowerment. Yeah, yeah. You can't get ahead. If you're the one who's creating the roadblocks.
0: Yeah. Well, cause if you're just very disempowered and negative on yourself, you're going to spit that venom out on everyone else. Of course. Yeah. I, that was the thing I noticed when I was researching is you always have positivity in your bio, Right. Yeah, would you say you've always been a positive person, or is that something you've kind of had to learn over time?
1: I've always been positive externally. Yeah, it's very tough growing up in general. Growing yeah. up with alopecia, additionally, um, you know, I would, uh, I wore wigs uh, in my college and at the end of high school, and I did feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more um, ease of access to the community because yeah. there, you know.
0: There's a
1: stigma, yeah. Huge stigma, even if it's in your own head and it doesn't really exist, you know, it it will stop you from doing things. Yeah, I told myself in the mirror every single day, I said, why be stressed? Just be awesome. Why be stressed? Just be awesome. And then after about three years, you know, my external positivity really went inward. And I, I, you know, I always say hair is only skin deep, you know. Yeah. But I began to internalize that more, and you know, I, I felt comfortable attending class without wearing a wig. And it was a big transformative moment for me, where I jumped off the deep end, and I, I decided to embrace uh, my personality and my my sense of self as a bald member of the community. It was always there, but um, I'm sure my friends knew that I wore wigs. I mean, they look great, but you know. If you wear it every day, you know, people who wear wigs, you know, obviously sign, there are signs that start to show, but living this empowered life and telling myself, and then every time I saw a mirror, I would say, why be stressed? Just be awesome. So it really, for me, it became a, a, a success.
0: It's kind of like an alter ego you created that like actually became real. Right. Alter ego. Everyone always hides behind masks. You know,
1: you never know what someone else is going through. You know, you never know what hardship someone has in their own life. So, like alter ego, <laughs> I think I was an alopecia superhero wearing a wig because yeah. our community has choice. So, it, I was definitely living empowered as a person who wore a wig. But I strive for more. I strive yeah. to not. Um, I need mean, like that. through the
0: affirmations you were saying. Right. Yeah. Like just kind of like saying it and then it eventually you did feel empowered right? right yeah because i think there's a lot of times where like i think the number one question i always get people are like how do you become more confident and it's mm-hmm. like first it doesn't feel authentic but the longer you kind of say positive things to yourself it becomes real right and um yeah and then just like realizing you should only care about the opinion of what you think of yourself because the longest relationship you have is with yourself not with anyone else Wow, I really <laughs> like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: because and it's true because um, you know, you will always be there and you need the brain is a muscle. You have to yeah. flex it. And if you flex it in a positive way, you will learn to not need to do that and yeah. to and to have that happen as a second nature. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I also think it's always good like I think f- what I've learned is it's good to always get constructive criticism as well. Because then, if you're always around people who are like, "Oh, you're great, you're amazing," or this, that could also be a bad thing. Because then you never really grow and improve. So sometimes it's like you gotta find a balance.
1: Yeah, you you have to be your own harshest critic, but yeah. you can't. Um, you know, I I there was a talk back at the Strand. Shut up. With uh, <laughs> Roger Deakins. Shut up. And uh, he's a photographer. He just released a book, but he's also known as being a knight. Uh, and he's one of the probably most famous cinematographers of all time. Um, You know, um, Skyfall, Shawshank Redemption, these are huge movies. And he was behind it all, and he was very self-critical. They said, you know, oh, these other cameramen, you know, they have huge social medias, and they're posting pictures, they're walking home from set, and why don't you do that? And Roger answered that, you know, when he's... If there's only two things that he thinks about after a long day at work. He's The first thing he's thinking about is everything he messed up today, and the second thing is he's going to think of is everything he's going to mess up tomorrow. So uh, even then, the most famous cameraman of all time, and he's super self-critical and self-deprecating, yeah. and he, he wants to focus on his craft. So um, I would say that it's important to... Uh, you, know, if you surround yourself with yes, people, then the only person you can have a conversation with is yourself. Yeah. yeah. So if you need that need external, stagnant. right. Because yeah. there's no progress. The most important thing I think for a young man is to surround yourself with competitive people to know that, you know, you go home and you're being challenged by your roommates or you're being challenged by your, your work colleagues out of work. Um, yeah. you know, I live alone, but I have a, a writing partner and we write all the time and, We are, uh, we never are mean. We never are nasty. We never do anything that can, um... You know, that's out of bounds, but we are always forcing ourselves to subject ourselves totally to the project and to the story because that's what the audience sees. All the work that goes into making a film, you don't get to see on screen. The filmmakers can cherish that when they watch the project, but the audience doesn't get to see it. They just see the final result. So if you have a big ego or if you need to be surrounded by people who say yes, you know, we'll see what the audience thinks.
0: Yeah. You could end up being like a one-hit wonder. (laughs) That's what happens with a lot of like directors or like singers they make one good thing and then they keep bump like spitting out the same thing and right. then they eventually go stagnant <laughs> right
1: i mean some of the biggest filmmakers of our era you know maybe their box office hasn't been good the last decade but the people like their films so then it's like now and yeah. they're they're in their career where they can make whatever they want it's yeah. super exciting
0: i think it's always good as like you get as you get more successful to keep surrounding yourself with more successful people because even though it's much easier said than done because it's like it could bruise your ego you see someone the same age as you and they make more money or they have a higher position but it's going to motivate you and push you and then i always believe in the phrase there's enough seats at the table for everyone wow yeah you're like always jealous of someone else then you're never gonna be happy (laughs) i like that a lot and you know
1: in an environment where you don't want too many cooks yeah it's enough to sit at the table the absence of punishment is its own reward you know if you think that you know you should be someone like running what someone else is running you know i would say take a second to try that because it's hard
0: yeah yeah um what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever heard we're gonna Put you on the spot with this one.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, advice yeah. is so interesting because it's so um, situational specific. But um, someone said recently to me that if you want to do something, stop at nothing until you get it done. Do not let anything stand in your way. And I think it's interesting because uh, you know, so what? I have rent. You know, I have a day job. You know, so I get home and I'm tired. So what? You know, work harder achieve more the I think the biggest waste of time is uh you know letting talent go by you know if you have a talent for something even if you can't figure out how to make it lucrative set a goal for yourself. Find out how to make my talent lucrative. Find out how to make my passion something that I can do so I don't even have to go to my day job anymore. You know, and that's not going to be easy because you need, you know, your landlord's not going to cash that in. You know, they don't care, uh, you know, that there's a strike going on. You know, they don't care that, Uh, you know, you're following your passion, you know, they just want the bottom line because they have expenses and they have their whole life and it's hard for them to get by too. So you you have to, and maybe their passion is being a landlord and they've achieved that goal and you can learn from them. But if your goal is to pursue music and, you know, there isn't a program for you or there isn't an avenue for you or you feel like you're in a band and you're not getting ahead, go make a video. You know, these days, one of your friends is a cameraman and, you know, you can hire me
0: yeah <laughs> or like even if it's not the best thing i think i remember when i made a youtube channel i remember hearing someone told me like the first 10 videos or t- first 10 things of anything are not going to be the best but then eventually you can only go up from there
1: interesting yeah so, i mean it's not fun realizing that you need 20 extra hours every yeah. day to accomplish your goals but at the same time it's like why even have goals if you're not going to accomplish them
0: yeah on that note that was an amazing last question. So thank you, Simon, for joining me on this, on today's episode. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I, I'd love to come back because it's so easy to talk to you. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. You've got a great fashion sense.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. You as well. We're,
1: we're at a beautiful facility here in Bedford. Uh, is there any tags I should do? Uh,
0: I don't know. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Um, my
1: name is Simon Rubenstein. And, oh, sorry. Yeah. You can,
0: Yes do your, I thought you meant tags for the Bedford TV studio. <laughs>
1: Please hire us Bedford TV. Yeah. Uh, we need more funding. We need access to capital. We need new, um, this is a beautiful space yeah. and we want more space. We want to give back to the community in more ways. So Bedford TV, you know, let's put you on the map. Yeah. Um, my name is Simon Rubenstein. My Instagram is at Simon Um, my website, simonrubenstein.com. All
0: right. Thanks Thank so much you. for having me. Yeah. yeah, of course. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share it with your friends and family. Don't forget to also follow us here on Spotify for more updates on our upcoming episode. We have some exciting topics planned out this year that we can't wait to share with you. Lastly, if you want to stay connected with me, you can follow me on Instagram at Fahad Jones Alden. And follow our Instagram page at Lessons We Can Take From Today. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this episode. Thank you again for taking time out of your day to listen. And we'll see you on the next episode of Lessons We Can Take From Today.